Hey everyone, it's your host of See Jurassic Right, Stephen Ray Morris here, just dropping in to say, I hope you've been enjoying all the new episodes in 2023 and 2024 so far. There are new interviews with filmmakers, musicians, scientists, the screenwriter of Land Before Time, audio essays about the rich history of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, and all the news about the upcoming animated show Jurassic World Chaos Theory and the as-of-yet untitled Jurassic World sequel coming next summer. I really need your help supporting the show right now, and you can do that by leaving a tip and or giving a monthly follow on Patreon, patreon.com slash There are $1 and $5 tiers, but more is coming. Sharing the show, giving five-star reviews in Apple Podcasts, and liking and commenting on social, at Stephen Ray Morris on Instagram and Twitter, goes a long way to help boosting the show's visibility again online in this new era. I'm an independent podcaster and your support is so important and means the world to me in keeping this podcast running. Link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Hold on to your butts. Thank you. And now on to the show. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I have a silly idea. I want us to all tell Stephen that we're here talking about <laughs> yeah. Jurassic Park without him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen, <laughs> we're talking about Jurassic Park without you. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. <laughs> and that's and that's what we just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's happening. It's, it's happening totally right up. now. We're gonna record. Oh, he's already doing it. I've been recording it. We pitched a movie. So we did all these things without you. We were talking about our favorite thing. Yeah, specifically because you're not here, <laughs> Stephen. This is uh, Brenna, aka. A.K.A. Beeksels, A.K.A. Bonnie Puns. Uh, hey, you have three names. I have so many names. And we've been discussing Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. And Arrive, which I'm very excited to fund because I have $12 million just sitting in my couch. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. doubt that. <laughs> Thank you. And, and who I are you, miss? I am Little Medencia, A.K.A. Corny Medencia. Um, the smallest of my kind. Also Italian Sicilian, just like this man next to me. <laughs> Never trust a Sicilian. It's true. Hey, hey, hey. I mean, okay. Okay. Yeah, he's right. Uh, hey, Steve, it's me too, Chris. Hello. Hey. Can you say your last name and your Bramante. handle? Bramonti. <laughs> I don't want to say my handle. Amontiac. We um, all uh, need to say our last names. And Sam Kirsch. Amontiac Bramonti. And Sam Kirsch is here as well. Or Bramontiac. Yeah. Um... Uh, Ellie Allen and, uh, and, Ian, and Ian. Fucking Anna Circle. <laughs> and, and this is Dax. You know who I am. Please, please, I'm sorry. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.
Welcome to See Jurassic Right. I'm your host, Stephen Ray Morris, host, and this is the mini-sode. I am currently recording in the pod loft, watching the cats, aka George's cats. Um, yeah, this is the mini-sode of See Jurassic Right. Welcome. Uh, thank you, Dax and <laughs> Brenna and Courtney and Chris. For that lovely uh, message from a from from a show, um, having major FOMO right now from something that happened a few weeks ago, but it's fine. No, uh, welcome, welcome. It's been a while. It's been a crazy month. I hope everyone had a great October, the uh, spookiest season of the year. Um, very, very. It was very fun. It's very busy. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, this is very late. Uh, I basically spent all week trying to record this. I even attempted to record it at Universal Studios, uh, but my little fun area by the Jurassic Park ride is isn't as um, consistently available now. There's like a cool little nook where you could go eat because the currently, uh, just for everybody to catch up, the Jurassic Park ride is closed. Uh, but the store and the restaurant, the Jurassic Cafe, are both still open currently. And from what I've gathered from several employees and just asking around people at the park, um, those will be open until December. And then I think those will also close. And so that whole, whole area will go dark um, until probably somewhere between spring break and the summer. But I'm, I'm, I, I feel like it'll probably not open until the summer. Um because yeah, I this this I just went recently because um, I do like to get work done while I'm there. It's kind of nice, but um, uh, they are finally starting to do some construction, uh, something, but it's very vague and I can't really tell. And I was just like, you know, you could just kind of see it if you like stood on your tippy toes, kind of thing. I have an apple. I have a cider with me, an apple cider, hard cider. Um, but yeah, uh, so but finally recording it for today and it's good because i have a really cool announcement which i've already made on the on socials and stuff but i'm going to be in chicago for thanksgiving i love to go every year um well i i want to go every year and i'm starting to basically do a fun little uh thanksgiving tradition with my sister who lives there um and i've been to the field museum a few times uh in the past uh which i think is probably my one you know it's definitely i think yeah, I would say it's probably my favorite natural history museum. I mean, it's just so epic. And you've got the Charles Knight artwork and Sue and stuff. And so last year uh, I went to it. And my sister and I went to the Jurassic World exhibition. And this year it's there's this whole exhibit on Antarctic dinos and as well as the new dinosaur Maximo down in the hall, the sauropod. And then Sue has moved upstairs to her new home. So, again, that's to say that I'm... I forgot to mention the actual announcement, which is uh, I'm going to do a meetup there. Um, basically, if you live in Chicago or the Chicago area and you want to come out and I mean, I just I just thought it'd be fun if, you know, whoever's in town uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday would want to go and we can just hang out, go see some dinosaurs and uh, and do all that and probably gr- grab a beer or something afterwards. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty informal, but it's Saturday, November 24th at 1 p.m., uh, we'll just meet out front and then, um, yeah, I want to see the Antarctic dinosaurs exhibit. So it's a special exhibit. So you're going to have to buy like a, an all access pass or discovery pass to go, which is just a little more expensive 
than the uh, than the normal uh, field museum pass. Obviously, no pressure to to do that if you don't want to and if you just want to hang at you know the regular part of the museum or whatever. But um, we'll basically just be there all day exploring and stuff like that. So you're welcome to come anytime. Um, but yeah, it should be fun. So yeah, that's uh, for everybody in Chicago at the Field Museum, uh, Saturday, November 24th at 1 p.m. So I'm going to include a link to the Facebook invite in the show notes, and you'll see it around on social and stuff like that. So um, yeah, hope to see you there. And that leads me into a, another announcement thing that isn't quite ready yet, but hopefully I'll get my ass together, ass together, get my shit together uh, <laughs> for this. I just put it in the Facebook group, uh, See Jurassic Right Podcast, but... Uh, inspired by other other groups, uh, I thought it'd be fun to do a little gift exchange. I think for Jurassic, it'd be really fun to give, you know, to give um, to give each other, you know, dinosaur gifts and stuff like that. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be Jurassic related, but I think it could be fun. Um, which actually leads me into this month's uh, the the question that I want to ask for everyone to answer for the next mini episode. I might as well say it now. Which is, do you want any Jurassic or dinosaur related gifts for Christmas? Um, call or email and tell me what you want. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm going to give it to you, but <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be fun to just hear what's on people's minds, whether it's more Fallen Kingdom toys or, you know, something from, you know, on eBay. Like I recently got the Burger King watches, the Lost World Burger King watches off eBay because I found a really good deal. And so there's stuff like that. Maybe you just want some, you know, I don't know, tickets to go to a dinosaur dig. Is that something you can give as a gift? I don't know. But, um, you know, as always, call in. Um, I really like it when I get all the call-ins and stuff. I should actually read that phone number uh, on because I feel like I always post it on social, but um, I never uh, I never uh, put it on stuff. So, uh, and again, thank you everyone for always calling in and leaving in your comments or emailing and stuff like that. Um, I like having the email in case people are more comfortable um, writing stuff out instead of saying it. Um, but that number is 323-688-6969 or email cjurassicred at gmail.com. Excuse me. It's cjurassicred at gmail.com. Um, but yeah, it's like, do you want any Jurassic-related or dinosaur-related gifts for Christmas? I just want to hear about it um, because the next mini-sode... Um, will definitely come out before Christmas. Uh, so <laughs> I was like, that's my deadline. I don't, the, I don't want it to, it always, I feel like it's always better when the stuff comes out on the holiday or before the holiday. So, so you can really kind of celebrate it as it happens. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to put something together for the gift exchange. Um, people were saying Elfster was a good, uh, was a good ser- uh, service that does that. So I'm going to be looking that. So stay, be on the lookout probably next week for something on socials. But yeah, just join the Facebook group because that's probably where the main rallying point for that will be. Um, see Jurassic Right podcast. Um, a few other things. Uh, what else did I want to say? Um, <laughs> oh, uh, from the last email or the last mini-sode, I wanted to do a correction because I've been coming across the name a lot and... Um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to correct this person's name because it's been coming up a lot recently. And I'm like, there's all these, this person's name popping up everywhere, not just this person, but other people with this name. Um, and so it's spelled S I O B H A N. Um, and it's an, I, I guess it's a, an Irish name. So it's Siobhan, which like the name Siobhan makes sense. Like I've, I've heard that name before, but I'd never seen it written and I never connected the two. So anyway, Siobhan left that really nice email uh, with her son, Thomas, about um, basically just like asking if 
in that episode, in that minisode, we, we talked about like, are there other types of non dinosaur creatures, you know, something like a plesiosaur or a, or a mosasaur, you know, marine reptiles or, you know, flying uh, reptiles like pterodactyl or Quetzalcoatlus or something like that. So um, I'm better at pronouncing dinosaur names than people names, but I feel like we can all relate to that. But yeah, I just wanted to correct her name, Siobhan. Um, and I'm assuming that's how she pronounces her name, unless she's not Irish and pronounces it differently. So maybe it'll be a correction next month. But thank you again, Siobhan, for that email. Um, nope, it's the ghost train. Always comes in the pod loft. Um, and next on business, I was like, speaking of that amazingly uh, adorable, funny intro with uh, Brenna and Dax and Courtney and Chris, uh, um, I announced a new segment that's going to be hopefully, you know, a monthly segment um, for See Jurassic Right while we wait for season two. And that's called Cinematic Attractions, where I do kind of a creature where I watch a creature feature and talk about it. And uh, the first one, the kind of Halloween episode was Carnosaur uh, with uh, Brennan White, a.k.a. Beeksels, a.k.a. Bonnie Puns, uh, Courtney Medencia, Little Medencia on Instagram. Um, Chris Bramante, um, Amontiak on all the socials. And so we all got drunk. Yeah, yeah I guess we got drunk um, <laughs> and watched 1993's Carnosaur, which was a dinosaur movie from Roger Corman uh, that was kind of made to sort of compete with Jurassic Park and actually came out a couple weeks before and starred Laura Dern's mom, Diane Ladd. So um, if you want to watch that movie and watch the episode or watch the episode, listen to the episode. You totally can. You can listen. You can. I feel like you could watch, listen to the episode without necessarily having watched the movie. Um, cause the movie's really bad. Uh, but we had a really great time watching it and there's a lot of fun stuff. And, and in some ways it's more Michael Crichton-y than, than the original Jurassic Park movie, but it's also just a very endearing, endearingly bad movie. It's like Fern Gully meets Jurassic Park kind of, or Fern Gully meets alien. Maybe. I don't know. Or Terminator. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully I'm going to be doing well, not hopefully I am going to be doing more of these cinematic attractions uh, after the first episode. People already had a couple of good suggestions. But if there's any other dinosaur movies or dinosaur esque movies, uh, please let me know what you'd want me to watch, because there's obviously, you know, Jurassic Park pretty much is the best dinosaur movie. And so. I mean, what's after that? So, I mean, obviously, you got your Godzillas, you got your King Kongs, because they always feature dinosaurs. You got Disney's dinosaur. Um, I will let you know that I, I'm just gonna, I'll just spill it out now. I'm definitely gonna do Land Before Time next. So, uh, because I've been thinking a lot about that movie lately. Um, so, be on the lookout for that coming soon. Um, yeah, but let me know what other creature features you'd like me to watch, because uh, it was so much fun just to sit around and watch a movie. It's very classic podcasting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just something else that I can do while still working on season two. And, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be next year, you know, into next year. I think I just, I mean, I realized that too. It's like, I mean, the first season was, was so much work and it was so rewarding in that way. But, um, I think I was just a little naive to think that I could turn it around, um, as quickly as I first thought. And I actually do want to take my time. And I think the, the guests are going to be you know it's going to be the guests we've had um hopefully everyone comes back plus 
tons of new people and just hearing from everybody from the community, from people who worked on it, from artists and comedians and just the whole gamut of people. And I'm also going to have a new segment coming soon as well. And besides cinematic attractions, again, to sort of tide us over, because, again, I love talking about Jurassic Park all the time. And if there's way other ways to do it, I want to keep doing it. So, um, yeah, stay in the lookout, stay in the lookout, keep on the lookout for that. Um, and next order of business. So I went to Patreon this past weekend, which is a Patreon uh, convention down in, in that took place in downtown LA over a couple of days. Um, thank you again to everyone at Patreon for uh, bringing me out. And I taught a little workshop on how to podcast. And um, I wore, uh, I wore, um, so there's a, so there's, I, I have a Sea Jurassic Right shirt that was made by Cat Lady Lifts on Instagram. Jessica, she's a, she's such a good friend and such a cool person. Uh, and she made a really cool shirt. So I was wearing that. Um, and then, yeah, like, you know, we're just kind of talking about all my podcasting stuff. So it was fun to bring up Sea Jurassic Ride, of course, among all the other shows that I work on. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun time. Uh, and hopefully I can do, I want to do more stuff like that, which leads me to, uh, as sh- I'm sure you've seen across social, but, um, on May 31st through June 2nd, I'm going to be in Nashville at Pod X. And Pod X is a podcast convention that was started by the people who did LeakyCon, which is the Harry Potter convention. And I'm going to be doing stuff there. So, uh, you know, I definitely want to be doing um, some Sea Jurassic Rights stuff while I'm out there. I'm not sure exactly what I'm doing or panels or workshops or shows or anything like that because uh, it is almost six months away. But um, over six months away. Um, but I'm really excited because I've always wanted to go to Nashville. I really want to check out any natural history museums or anything like that. I heard the Creation Museum is, is not too far away from Nashville, um, which might be kind of a curious, a curious thing to go visit. But I definitely want to check out natural history museums or anything else that's out there that's dinosaur or Jurassic related. Um, and if you want to come out there and see me, um, you can there's like a, a special code or whatever. So it's like podx.com slash Jurassic to sign up and I'll put it in the notes. Um, but if you want to come out and pod and, and do all that stuff, I'm sure like I want to be out there for like a week and just kind of enjoy Nashville and, and hang out and do stuff like that. So um, I'm sure you'll be hearing more from me when it gets closer about the specific stuff I'm going to be doing while I'm out there. But um, I really want to do more conventions, stuff like that. I really want to do more panels and workshops and stuff because it was a lot of fun this past weekend at Patreon. And yeah, I just would want to keep doing more of it. So if you throw those sorts of events, let me know. Um I would be happy to to go be part of it because it was yeah, it was a blast. Um, And then next on the agenda, if you're going to hear me clicking because I've got my computer in front of me, I just I I held for a honk that you're probably not going to hear, but maybe you'll hear it. Um, I won't know till I'm editing it. All right, here we go. So uh, my friend Catherine pointed it out to me, but I'd seen it by a bunch of other murderinos and but it wasn't until I got the close up from my friend Catherine Catherine Leon that uh, I realized what it was, which was so Powell's Books is a is an amazing bookstore uh, in Portland. I feel like everybody I feel like everybody knows Powell's Books. I mean, it's just iconic at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, so they they put together a display. Uh, a murderino who works at Powell's uh, put together a cool, a really like really rad. Um, display basically being like all the books that Karen and Georgia talk about on my favorite murder. Um, it's super rad. We got like bad blood and we have um, 
Gone Girl. Gone Girl? No. Uh, I'm, I'm like trying to zoom in. Uh, but Helter Skelter, uh, you know, and just a bunch of other captive. Um, there's even a yoga book, which is really sweet. Power of Yes, Shonda Rhimes, uh, VC Andrews, My Sweet Adrena. Um, you know, just a lot of the books that Karen and George have read and recommended some Anne Rule, obviously, um, um, some Mary Roach. That's, I think that's what I was looking at. Um, but they also, uh, put Jurassic Park in there, which was really sweet. And it says the little like recommendations tag was, did you know that Steven, all caps, has a podcast all about Jurassic Park? And it said, before you start listening to see Jurassic, right? Read the book that started it all. Um, so thank you to pals and to whoever made that. I lo- That was always my favorite thing. Like when I'd go to record stores or bookstores or, you know, uh, uh, Second Spin, which was like a really cool uh, used record, sh- um, you know, movie music shop in Newport Beach where my dad lives, uh, getting those little personalized recommendations from the employees. And so uh, it was really sweet to see that. And also that it's in fucking Pals, which is just such a legendary book, you know, bookstore that is really like one of the last bastions of, you know, the physical, physical media, basically. So I was, I was very honored to be uh, for for this, you know, for C Jurassic right to be included in on that. So that was really cool. Um, yeah. So thank you. Um, all right. So let's get into some Jurassic. So that's all my announcements. That's all my stuff. Um, but let's get into some news. Um, I think the biggest news for me, which it's funny because I feel like I haven't really talked about it that much on the podcast. It's more been sharing, um, you know, on social media and stuff like that. But uh, I love the Fallen Kingdom toys. I was on Victoria's uh, podcast, the Cantina Chatter, talking about my love for the new Mattel toys. Like Mattel really did knock it out of the park. Um <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think other than when it was all coming out, when it was first coming out, I, I definitely have been saying to myself over and over again that I just it's been so nice to see the toy Jurassic Park toys on the shelves. Like even if I don't buy any of them, like even if I don't buy like one, I always am going to go buy the toy aisle at Target and check it out just to see what's new, what's there everything like that. It's just so it just feels that feels like reliving part of my childhood, you know, where you're seeing dinosaur toys on the shelves and stuff. And Mattel has been doing a really bang up job with this toy line. Um, And it's just exciting that they're being very aggressive and being like, we want Jurassic Park toys on the shelf all year round. And so um, I obviously, you know, I get most of my news when I'm, you know, doing articles and stuff for this episode from Jurassic Outpost and Chris Pugh. He's always doing um, great work over there. And uh, so basically they announced the uh, 2019 lineup um, and some of them are already starting to make it out on shelves. Um, But I'm super excited for. And again, that's the thing, too. I I have definitely bought more toys than I thought I would. I was like, oh, I'm never going to buy toys again. Like maybe I'll buy one or two to put on display. but no, I've been I've been kind of collecting them in a in a more meaningful way, you know. Um, it's actually appropriate that I recorded this today because uh, I finally actually opened two. I opened a Stiggy and I opened a Blue um, because I love the blind bags so much, and I'm so I I hope they keep doing new blind bag lines because I just love having those little dinos all over my desk. But I wanted to actually open some of the bigger toys, and so I opened 
Um, I got an extra blue and an extra stiggy so that I could open them up and keep them around with me and take them. Inspired by Maddie, of course, who always takes the best pictures with her with her dino toys. Um, but yes, yeah, so the 2019, obviously there's going to be some repaints and stuff. Um, I saw somebody on social kind of saying that they're the, that the new Raptor is almost kind of like a Delta E kind of design, which is cool because I would really love the whole Raptor squad in the Mattel style, um, which would be really cool. But also we're going to have new dinosaurs like Draco Rex and um, uh, I can never know. This, this is the one dinosaur I can't spell the Celoris. Um, and it's like super rad. It's got kind of almost like these Taco Bell vaporwave, like teal and pink colors. It's a thoropod predator. And then Draco Rex is like another, like think about Stiggy, but just with like, um, like spikes that kind of are almost like slicked back hair instead of a dome. Um, it's another Pachycephalosaurid. Um, and then we also have like a repaint of a Hararosaurus in this like mint green color. And then I'm really excited that we're getting a different type of, we're getting a, some new uh, flying reptiles in, or in, and marine reptiles, but a uh, flying reptile Ramphoranucus. Um, but it, he's kind of, it's, Again, you know, I'm going to have a link to the Jurassic Outpost article, but it's it's like this green little, you know, it's not like a pterodactyl, but it's got like this tiny head that's got these like gross teeth kind of sticking out everywhere like a hedgehog, but the spikes are on the face. Um, and also we're getting a Dimetrodon, which is really rad that resembles the one in uh, Lockwood Manor. We're getting a Styracosaurus, which is, um, you know, it's a Ceratopsian-like uh, Sinoceratops and Triceratops, but it's like kind of a dark green and purple, and it's got these beautiful white spikes sticking out of not only its nose, but on the, the frill. Um, and then we're also getting a goddamn Plesiosaurus, which I'm super excited about. I was never like a big Plesiosaurus person growing up. I was always more of like, I prefer, you know, I liked Mosasaur. Um, or, you know, I, even, I think Mosasaur, I liked Anichthyosaurus, but I really wasn't actually a marine reptile person, but this, this, uh, Plesiosaur is gorgeous. It's, it's kind of like Arctic. It's like a, it's like the Gatorade, like Arctic blast or something. It's like those kind of colors and it looks really rad. Um, and then there's, as I was mentioning on social, they, there's a repaint of the Suchomimus. That's more of like a pumpkin spice latte colors. And yeah, and there's some, you know, you can go to the article again, I'm going to link in the notes, um, for more details and stuff. And even since this article, there's been other um, reveals and leaks. Like they're going to have a male T-Rex, like the one from the Lost World. So, you know, they already had the baby um, baby Rex Jr. from the Legacy line. So the, uh, the idea that they're going to start introducing more uh, Legacy and in, in dinosaurs from previous films. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just readjusting on this article couch. Um, actually article doesn't sponsor this, uh, this podcast, but if, if they want to, they can hit me up. Um, uh, but yeah, so it's really exciting to see again, Mattel's commitment to just keeping dinosaur toys. And I think personally, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think, whether you're collecting or you're opening and playing and stuff. I feel like our crew, like our, at least in the Facebook podcast, Facebook, Facebook group, um, it seems like everybody's more gung ho about opening stuff. So I, I kind of feel like. I want to be brave like you guys and open it up my toys more. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm just it's there's not there's not really any new human figures. Again, I'm annoyed that, uh, you know, there's more Owens and I still don't have Claire, but at least I have Zia, which I'm really happy that I found. And I finally got the 
the uh, legacy Malcolm, which looks really great and comes with the flair. Um, but I, you know, I definitely want to see, you know, a Justice Smith character. You know, I want to see Franklin. I want to see, uh, you know, more of the, I want to see a Henry Wu. Like I would be really excited for Henry Wu. And how amazing would it be if, if Mattel finally gave a Raina Richards a Lex figure? Because I feel like out of anybody in this franchise, Lex deserves to finally get her action figure um, because when Arena Richards was a kid, she was like the only main character in Jurassic Park who didn't get a figure, even though Timmy got one. Um, and so I, I would hope that finally Mattel could do her justice because I think that would be that would be really wonderful. So um, let me know if you're collecting the toys, if you're not, if you're you know more old school and stick with the Kenner stuff. Um, but I really feel like Mattel is doing great work Um overall with this i mean it's just cool to have dinosaurs all all around me again you know in my office and stuff like that so um that was the first bit of news um and then i thought this article was interesting so and again i i won't go for too long into it but basically uh i i only i only bring it up to kind of maybe to talk about what it means for the future of the franchise but um, basically, if you remember, there was the whole Save the Dinosaurs campaign and the whole viral um, nonprofit organization uh, doing the Save the Dinosaurs that Claire, you know, the DPG and all that stuff like that uh, for Fallen Kingdom. And so basically, apparently that phrase was um, already copywritten and universal, I guess, um, paid this person the rights to use it, but they didn't use it. But Universal apparently didn't use it in the way that they agreed. Um, and so a lot of people are saying that, and this comes from a Hollywood Reporter article, uh, which again, I'll link in the notes. But, um, you know, a lot of people were being, I, I think the, the takeaway was that, okay, well, maybe that phrase won't be used at all in the Jurassic World 3, which I actually just assumed that it wouldn't be because, um, I kind of feel like by the time Jurassic World 3, 3 comes out in the world, you know, three years later uh, after Fallen Kingdom, I don't I think that the whole nonprofit DPG like that was just a tiny little organization in San Francisco that maybe had like 100 people. I mean, not even 100 people, but maybe like maybe like 15 full time employees and like a handful and then, you know, like 20 or 30 volunteers and work remote. I feel like whatever is going to be happening with the dinosaurs in by the time Jurassic World 3 comes out is going to be much bigger than that tiny group. So I don't think I don't I think the concept of like the save the dinos, I don't think that's going to be a thing in Jurassic World 3. So I don't think they really I don't think Universal is too worried about it. But um, uh, but yeah, so I, I thought that was very um, <laughs> I mean, make sure you get everyone to to. What is it? Cross their T's and dot their I's before you uh, start moving forward. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Again, I'll include the, the links in the notes. Um, and as I was mentioning on social, I was wondering if people were curious for more dinosaur news and more social recommendations and stuff like that. And so I've been obsessing over. Well, I guess this is a recommendation. Uh, I've been obsessing over the Common Descent podcast. And um, it's a podcast with these two paleontologists. Uh basically just break down a different topic, a, a specific dinosaur group, uh, uh, one of the di various extinctions, the ice age, this specific cave in Australia that was very important for paleontology. Um, and so they break down a different topic each week related to paleontology or, you know, natural history or something like that, or science. Um, grass was a really good episode. Um, Spinosaurus, uh, synapsids, 
Antarctica, you know, the Cambrian explosion, stuff like that. And yeah, I've been obsessing over this podcast recently, been binging it. And so uh, I had heard I had heard this news, but it was actually really cool to hear them talk about it. Um, but I'll and I'll mention and obviously I'm going to tell you right now. But as I mentioned before, Draco Rex, Stiggy Mullick, um uh, are all related to our other favorite dome-headed dinosaur, the Pachycephalosaurus, that was heavily featured in The Lost World and briefly featured in uh, Jurassic World. Um, but they're saying that this vegetarian dinosaur may have actually eaten meat, um, as suggested by the skull. So this comes from National Geographic, and the, he- the subheadline is steak knife-like teeth in the most complete Pachycephalosaurus jaw ever found look suspiciously like those of a carnivore. Um, so yeah, the Pachycephalosaurus, for those who don't know, the delicately built 15 foot long dome headed dinosaur that lived alongside Tyrannosaurus Rex and Triceratops is a staple of children's books and popular culture. Lost world. Uh, one usually depicted as a benign plant eater in this article is written by John Pickrell. Uh, but the discovery of a new skull with the most complete jaw and set of teeth yet found for the species dumbfounded scientists when it was revealed at the society of vertebrate paleontology meeting in Albuquerque, New Mexico earlier this week. I wonder if they would let me go. I'm like, I'm not a paleontologist. I'm not a scientist. I just love dinosaurs. I'd be like, hey, guys, can I get in? And they're like, no, this is for professionals. Um, and then, yeah, and then they just punt me into the into the desert and I run into Breaking Bad. Um, you know, Breaking Bad. Uh, so this juvenile Pachycephalosaurus, like all known specimens of its, of its kind, had broad leaf-shaped teeth towards the back of its jaw suited to shredding rough plant matter fruits and seeds but in the front portion of the jaw a part of the species never found fossilized before uh, this specimen bared sharp triangular blade-like teeth that look more like those found in carnivores such as tyrannosaurus and velociraptor Um, it is unclear if the species had these teeth temporarily during its youth or if they were a permanent fixture of the dinosaurs Um, and again it's very fascinating Um, one of the main paleontologists who worked on this study uh, steve brusset just it's you know, it's just kind of unfounded. It would be as if, um, I'm trying to think of, it. I was like, <coughs> excuse me. I was like, what's a strict, uh, vegetarian. It's, it'd be like if we discovered that like deer had like fangs, you know, or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to read this whole article. Um, because it is, it's something that, and again, I think this is a really cool, uh, news story because it's that thing of like, it's, uh, Dottie, you might hear Dottie scratching away. Um, it's an interesting news story because it's this thing where it's, uh, you know, the thing I've learned a lot about listening to Common Descent, it's like, okay, this is a great discovery, but everybody's got to hold up before we declare things as true, uh, you know, and let's keep doing our research. So, um, you know, it later in the article, it says, most scientists like to place dinosaurs in neat categories, uh, says Danny Anduza of the University of California Museum of Paleontology, who has himself... Uh, helped excavate several Pachycephalosaurus fossils. He says, what makes the study so exciting is that the authors use new evidence to challenge some of those assumptions. And, um, but yeah, so I'll link to this whole article. I'll post it in the group. I'll post it on social. Um, I think I may have already retweeted it from somewhere, but I'll repost it. Um, but yeah, so it's really cool. And yeah, I've, since listening to Common Descent, I've been, I mean, as much as I try and keep up with all the news of dinosaur news and stuff, sometimes it's a little bit harder because again, it's that idea of like, it's these small incremental 
discoveries and everything, but I've kind of, I've, it's that podcast has really inspired me to kind of dig a little deeper. So, <laughs> oh man, I'm on fire today. Um, not really. Uh, but yeah, so, and yeah, if you want to hear more dinosaur news, let me know. I really, it, it was so fun just going through this article and, you know, that's the thing I keep daydreaming about. Uh, I feel like I've talked to a lot of my friends like, oh man, it'd be really cool next year, uh, you know, during the summer or maybe not in the summer because it's probably really hot, but, you know, to go to actual dig sites and stuff because there's some dig sites you can go to that are more public um, and stuff like that. And I, you know, I've, it's funny because I've never actually done that. You know, I think we've all, when we were growing up, we all daydreamed of becoming paleontologists. And sometimes I know people who've gotten those opportunities. Um, you don't necessarily need to be a professional. Um listen to the paleontology episode of ologies actually uh, speaking of, and you can learn more about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think that would be such a dream come true to actually do dinosaur, you know, to actually do a, you know, a dinosaur dig. But the only time I've ever even been to a fossil site is I don't even remember where I was. I think it was on the way to Vegas. It couldn't have been on the way to Vegas or when I was visiting my dad in Colorado, but when he lived there for a little, for like a year, but there was at one point we were out in the desert and there was this fossil site with um, or a um, footprint site where you could see all the tracks of the dinosaurs. I think they were stegosauruses, but I'm, I'm not even 100 percent sure because I don't even remember when or how or anything like that. But maybe I'll text my dad to see what the deal was. But I would love to go to more dig sites and see more places just out in the wilderness like that. Um, it would be really cool. Uh, but yeah, let me know if you want more dinosaur news because it's 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 a lot of fun. And definitely listen to the Common Descent podcast. Um and now to other bits of news, there is going to be, oh yeah, I'll do this one first. So there's going to be a Lego Jurassic World prequel uh, called, um, where is it? Um, Lego Jurassic World, The Secret Exhibit. And so it's actually debuting on NBC. So it's playing on actual television. Wow. Um and it's a sequel set before the events of Jurassic World. And it's very interesting, obviously. It's so funny because I I, I was watching a great video by Clayton Fioriti talking about his comments about this. And it's funny how it, they're they're talking about the Lego Jurassic World prequel, like the, the fact that it's called a prequel. And it's almost it almost want, makes it think like I think we all kind of jump to the idea of like, Oh, are the Lego movies like canon? It's like they're not canon. They're, there's a, a scene where all these Dilophosaurs are playing soccer at the end of the the original Lego movie, which the Indominus Escape, which I highly recommend. It's one of the funniest. Uh, I love Bryce Ellis Howard as Claire in those because I feel like it's in some ways it's a more self-aware version of Claire, at least in the first Jurassic World. Um, in Bryce Ellis Howard is so great as her Lego self, which is really funny. And um, so this new special, basically, it kind of focuses on um, there's like baby blue and it's transporting um, some of the fallen kingdom dinos from Isla Sorna, uh, Carnotaurus, Baryonyx and Stiggy um, to Jurassic World before the move, you know, before the park actually opened. Um, if anything, this is just, I think, a Jurassic movie, a Jurassic Lego movie just kind of they're just not re you know, they're just not retelling fallen kingdom. They're like, can we do something else? Something funny or interesting um, with the Lego version of the Jurassic world. Um, but with a new story, which to me is really cool because again, it's that thing of like, I think like in Clayton's video, he was, you know, saying like, you know, don't necessarily 
take this as being part of canon because it's like because even one example it's like claire looks like the claire from fallen kingdom she's like got the outfit she's got the long hair with the ponytail and pull back it's not like she's her jurassic world self with the bangs and the white dress the white out suit dress suit dress dress suit i guess it's just a dress but you know what i mean but um and uh owen has a dog for some reason and it's like when he first met blue but obviously he met blue when he was born as, as Clayton was saying, you know, imprinted on them. So I think it's, I think you just have to take it with a grain of salt, but it looks really fun. And I, I think Lego Jurassic world is, is a super funny, clever, um, uh, take on the Jurassic world movies. So I, I'm totally here for more Lego Jurassic. So, um, let me know if you're interested in, if you're going to tune in live. Um, yeah, it's like a two parter. Oh, and it helped for me to tell you actually when it airs. So it's airing on November 29th. Uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern Pacific time on NBC. Um, and that's funny. I, that's because I always thought of Jurassic Park, even though it happens during the summer, I think because it would air on NBC in November, I feel like it also is kind of a Thanksgiving movie as well, too. Uh, but let me know your thoughts on that. And then the other bit of news, the other sort of uh, uh, Jurassic news uh, to wrap up. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I haven't been playing Jurassic World Evolution. I really want to, but I just it's just a you know, how much time and all that stuff. And I don't have any video game systems to play it on, but um I would if I could um I, I would if I could, but but this I mean in this DLC announcement, so they've announced a new DLC um would make me want to play it even more, is called Secrets of Doctor Wu. And it releases the twentieth of November. Um and it includes a bunch of new dinosaurs. They got BD Wong to come back uh and do more voice acting uh and there's hybrids and all this stuff and there's going to be new areas in the game and so you know i'm not going to go too in depth just because i i'm not playing it but le- if you're playing it let me know how it is i would love to see um i would love to see what you guys are thinking about it because i haven't really seen too much on it um i mean i've watched like gameplay footage and stuff but i haven't really spent too much time delving into it but it looks really fun and um Tom Fishenden, um, uh, Tom Jurassic, who, you know, is on the Jurassic Park podcast and he's been on this podcast a bunch. Um, he did a really great interview with Bo Merritt, who is one of the people who works at Frontier. He's the community manager at Frontier Games who made Jurassic World Evolution. And so he did a really nice interview with him that I think, um, again, from from our perspective, I think he, that's what I mean. Tom's great, a great interviewer because he's asking the questions that like we would want to know. Um, so go over there and read his interview um, because it's really entertaining, even even for someone like me who doesn't play the game. But this is the kind of thing where I'm like, man, this looks really fun. And yeah, Tom gets some really good stuff out of both. So I, I highly suggest go checking out that interview. Um, and again, I'll put a link to it in the notes. Where does it go? In the notes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, so there's a few other things, too, before we get to our question from last month, which was, have you rewatched the past Jurassic films since Fallen Kingdom came out? And has Fallen Kingdom affected your thoughts on those films? If so, how and why? Um, had a few people call in, a few people email. I'm really excited to read those emails and listen to those voicemails. Um, but I wanted to mention a few other people to follow. Uh, there is, again, because it's... You know, that's the thing. It's like I love going to to 
you know, I love having the social media for see Jurassic, right? Because it basically is just filled with Jurassic and dinosaurs content. And so it's really fun to just go there and browse and see what everybody's creating and making and doing. And so as far as like, uh, because I do eventually want to start doing fan Fridays, which is another segment to sort of a continuation of the fan fiction Fridays, but sort of showcase showcasing artists, um, in the great work that they're doing in the world of Jurassic and dinosaurs. Um, so think of this on the mini soda as like a mini version of that. But um, I wanted to throw out a shout out to um, Velocerissa.art on Instagram. Um, she is doing, her name's Marissa Velocerissa. I see, I see what you did there. Um, and she does all kinds of great Jurassic art. But the thing that really caught my attention was she did these very, um, what did I, I, I wrote down my sort of mental description of it. Uh, these sort of vaporwave 90s safety videos slash saved by the bell interactive CD-ROM public library mall food court aesthetic, um, you know, with all those like squiggly objects like dire straits music video uh, kind of thing. And she does Parasaurolophus and Triceratops and stuff like the if if Jurassic Park came out in the 80s. Uh, this art of hers would be like the bonus art cards that would come at the end of the pack that like, okay, you have your, mo- the, you know, the stills from the movie behind the scenes, character cards, dinosaur cards. And at the end, when they get wacky, this would be, uh, these would be the cards. They're really cool. Like I would love to see these on. I mean, I'm like, can I print them out and put them on a trading card? Marissa, you should make these trading cards is what I'm saying. Cause I would buy a bajillion in a heartbeat. Um, and, uh, also I wanted, uh, uh, this ties into our earlier Mattel conversation. Um, Chris Pugh from Jurassic Outpost um, and a lot of people. I mean, there's a whole community of of repaints and stuff and people who repaint their um, excuse me, not only their, you know, any kind of action figure, but especially Jurassic Park. So there's so many passionate people in that, you know, specific part of the community that are really focused on repainting their toys, because, again, um Again, I love the work that Mattel has been doing, but also, you know, that's the thing ultimately that um, budgets and and those kind of practical and those kind of concerns will kind of always get in the way of 100% accuracy. And so, you know, I'm somebody that's just like, I just accept that reality. But at the same time, I'm so I feel really lucky that and it's really cool to see all these talented people who are taking matters into their own hands, you know, and repainting their figures to make it look exactly like it does in the film. So what I really like what Chris has done, and he started a new Instagram called Jurassic World underscore toy box. And again, I'll have it in the notes. And um, basically, I like what Chris is doing because it's sort of he's he's obviously he's doing these digital mock ups to make things more film accurate, um, but kind of in the spirit of the realm of possibility, you know, in a way, because. I love the repaints where it's like just balls to the wall, make this look realistic, make this look amazing. But could it, but if you actually were going to buy that toy, they would have to sell it for $200. Um, but what I think Chris is doing is a little bit more kind of meeting, meeting that halfway of like realistic to what you could actually do in the real world with a toy. And then, you know, the little, it's almost like he's trying to make stuff as film accurate as possible with the least amount of tools, you know, having those kind of limit setting those limitations for himself. And I think it's made some really fantastic results. Um, That was one of the other newer toys that was announced since that um, Jurassic Outpost article was that there was going to be kind of a Jurassic world, Jurassic world, uh, Jurassic park three set with 
uh, Alan Grant in the female raptor. Um, obviously, I would have preferred a Tay Leone character because she's the one who gives the eggs. Well, yeah, she does give the eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and then Grant plays the, the dino flute. Um, but they basically repackaged the legacy Grant um, with the lucky pack and the eggs and stuff, uh, which is just kind of almost hilarious that of all the Jurassic Park things that we're getting, that one of the first of these legacy figures, you know, I mean, again, the line's been out for less than a year. And one of the first things we're getting is a Jurassic Park 3 Grant with the eggs and the female raptor, the al- the alpha female um, raptor, which is really cool. Um, but, you know, again, with little constraints here and there, you know, it's not necessarily the most film accurate. And it was kind of cool to see the process where Chris, uh, you know, just does these little touches like adding red around the eye, um, making Grant's shirt, the checked shirt that he wears in JP3, just those little tiny changes that just help make it a little bit more film accurate. It's just it's just a really cool exercise and it's fun to see that progress. So um, Jurassic World underscore toy box, uh, if you want to check that out. And again, put it in the notes. All right. So, oh, uh, I wanted to talk about two so now as before we pivot into our questions i wanted to mention two very the actual it's so funny because i feel like as we as we get further away from uh jurassic events and jurassic news you know uh, you know we're kind of in we're going to be in a lull of jurassic world 3 news for a while um as emily carmichael and colin trevorrow writing the script and you know there's just less events happening i mean compared to jurassic june where it was like something every day uh you know, there's not as much going on right now. So it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's up to you to make your life Jurassic. But so two things ended up happening, obviously, because it's Halloween. And I and I realized I actually don't dress up. I haven't done too many Jurassic things for Halloween. Uh, my ex and I did Lex and Tim uh, and I dressed up as Grant for uh, a Geek and Sundry video a few years ago with Omar Mia, Omar Najam, who's been a past guest. Um, but I actually haven't done that much Jurassic on Halloween. Usually it's like for conventions or videos and stuff. But this year I dressed up as Jimmy Buffett, AKA the Margarita man from Jurassic world. Um, I mean, basically it was repurposing most of Ellie Sattler's costume, uh, Dr. Ellie Sattler's costume, but it was, it was super fun. I dressed up for a Halloween party. Um, and, uh, (laughs) so uh, Jurassic World, like the Jurassic World Twitter had a very kind of last minute um, Halloween costume, not contest, but just sort of hashtag this thing and we'll probably retweet your costumes. So uh, it was hashtag Jurassic your costume. And so I shared my Margarita Man, uh, uh, Jimmy Buffett costume. And after Halloween, they were on Halloween, I think. Yeah, on Halloween, they ended up including it in their collage. And there was, um, it looked like a, a, I'm assuming a father daughter, uh, Nedry and Dilophosaurus. And there was a whole Claire, Zia, Blue and Owen crew. And then there was another kid dressed as Owen. Uh, so, yeah, so they included uh, the Margarita Man costume, uh, my Margarita Man costume as as uh, one of them. So that was really fun. Um, shout out to Brenna for the great pick. And also Brenna dressed up as uh, she dressed up as Jimmy Buffett from a different era. So we ended up being uh, costume twins that night. And that was really funny. Um, and then, yeah, the other big, obviously big uh, event this month was. So my favorite murder, uh, that podcast, we did a Halloween show at the Microsoft Theater in downtown L.A. Uh, it was incredible. And 
it is considered the biggest live recorded podcast ever, ever, <laughs> which is insane to think about. 7,000 people sold out show. Um, you can listen to it. It came out, I believe it's episode 145. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, basically we did the show and then I went home and edited it and stayed up all night and put it up. So that it was ready for everybody in the morning because it was a very special show in Cameron Britain, um, who played Ed Kemper on Mindhunter and Josh Mikowitz, um, journalist and Dateline or 2020 um, spoke as well. And there's a costume contest and everything like that. And so um, Karen and George obviously talked about their Halloween costumes and because they met and sort of got inspired to do MFM on Halloween. So it's appropriate for them to dress up uh, in those original Halloween costumes um, whereas for me, it was kind of a free, free for all. And, uh, it just so happened that around that time, uh, universal, uh, sent me a couple of products and things like that, including the, uh, blue mechanical head costume and the claws. And I already had had the dinosaur Kigurumi. And so basically I just hodgepodge that together, blue and a blue and a dinosaur onesie and got to walk out on stage and, do that and just talk for a bit about being a dinosaur, you know, no, it's better this way. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that was really funny. And, uh, Mandy Johnson, who's an amazing photographer, whose photo is probably going to be the cover for this minisode. Uh, it was just funny to look at back at pictures from that night and everyone's like very fun and, 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 you know, serious or it's, you know, it's just these like gorgeous black and white photos. And then it's like me and like a dinosaur onesie being like, Hmm, very interesting. Um, so yeah, that was an amazing, unforgettable night. And I'm glad I got to got to put a little Jurassic in there as well, too. So that was really cool. Um, yeah. All right. Let's get to these questions. I can't believe it's already been almost an hour. Uh, but again, uh, I feel like it's probably been I, I don't remember when the last episode came out, but I feel like it's been a hot minute. So um, again, I apologize. I apologize for the kind of inconsistency within the off season. Um, I'm trying to figure out ways that I can be more consistent or at least give you guys more stuff. Because, again, I love talking Jurassic every day. But um, my yeah, my life has just been kind of insane lately. So uh, it's sometimes it's hard to nail down a quiet moment where I can, you know, uh, I just I'm, I'm fitting everything in where I can. So, um, again, thank you to everyone for being so supportive. Um, again, thank you all to the Patreon uh, supporters. I'm going to be catching up with all your stuff soon. Um, hopefully things will calm down during, uh, I was going to say during November, but November is already over. Uh, <laughs> um, but I'm excited about Chicago. So that's going to be really cool. Um, and yeah, I'm hopefully I can, yeah, I got, I got some fun stuff planned for Chicago besides the awesome meetup that's happening on November 24th at the field museum. There's hopefully some other cool things that I'm going to be doing while I'm out there. So, uh, yeah. So let's get to this question, which is, uh, have you rewatched the past Jurassic films since Fallen Kingdom came out? Has Fallen Kingdom affected your thoughts on those films? If so, how and why? And so I wanted to play first, of course, uh, Tom Fishenden, Tom Jurassic again. I always appreciate his thoughts. I'm so glad that he wants to send them in. Um, and so, yeah, let's listen to his thoughts. Hi, Stephen. Hi, fellow See Jurassic Right listeners. It is Tom Fishenden here. And I hope that everyone who is listening into this mini-sode is doing really, really well. Um, so, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Has it affected the way I rewatched the previous films in the franchise at all? Um, 
since seeing Fallen Kingdom, I haven't actually rewatched any of the films, but I feel like if I do, the most jarring thing will probably be the geographical differences with Nublar. Um, just because there's something that was quite pronounced when the film released, and there's something which I think will be really, really noticeable in Jurassic World to me now, just because the location of the lagoon in particular is so important for the story of Fallen Kingdom in terms of how the Mosasaur gets out. Um, with that said, mm, I'd also like to rewatch Jurassic Park again, um, and actually, I tell a lie because I have seen Jurassic Park since Fallen Kingdom came out because I saw Jurassic Park in concert. Um, but I'd really like to see if there's any subtle hints or anything as to more people being involved than just John Hammond. Um, I don't think anything like that is there. I think somebody like the wonderful Clayton Fioriti or um, obviously yourself, Stephen, would have noticed if that was there. But nonetheless, I would be interested to go back and maybe watch it in a different context. Watch it now thinking that this is less of a solo venture and actually a joint venture that multiple people have been involved in. Um, beyond that, you know, I don't really know. I kind of feel like... I don't know. For me, I'm still very, very undecided. For me, Fallen Kingdom still feels a little bit disjointed. Um from the rest of the saga. I feel like it certainly makes sense as a film, but I just don't know if perhaps... I don't really know. I feel like it's not the follow-up I was expecting, and although I like the film a lot more now, I'm still coming to terms with that, so actually it makes my experience of the film's canon um, in terms of the canonical timeline of all the films a little bit jarring. Um yeah, I really think that's all I can say. Obviously, you know, um, I haven't watched the other films again, like I said, so it's probably not the most interesting response, and I'm sure there's lots of other people who will have re-watched things and perhaps picked up on things, but I really just wanted to take the time to touch base, talk a little more about Fallen Kingdom, because it's something I've not spoken about much. Um, I'm really just checking with C Jurassic right and see how everyone's doing here, so... Thanks for giving me the chance to get involved on this mini-sode, and I hope the rest of this episode's a good one for you. Cheers, guys. Take care. Thanks, Tom, for your voicemail. I appreciate it. And I think that was that was a good email to play, or a good voicemail to play first, just because, um, you know, to, you know, I, I asked that question like effects. You know, I think it's kind of a vague question, but I think you're thinking about it in all the right ways, um, because it's always that thing of like you watch a new movie and it's containing information, excuse me, it's containing information that is saying new things about the events that we saw in those earlier films. And I think we are living in a world now where movies do that all the time. But I, I always, I just, I'm just curious how it affects, like how it, I know the idea is, is that that's what it's supposed to do. Um, but I'm always just curious how it actually when, you know, boots on the ground, when we're sitting there watching, like when we're watching Jurassic Park, are we thinking about like, because my biggest thing that I always think that I, that I think about when I rewatch Jurassic Park uh, now that I've seen Fallen Kingdom. And again, that's my theory is that uh, uh, 
uh, Lockwood and Hammond, their falling out was right before the events of Jurassic Park. Uh, and the reason why Hammond has this trip is because, you know, the movie opens and, and, and Gennaro is saying it's the death of a worker that's causing all this disarray and it's making the investors very nervous and angry and stuff like that. Um, but the reality is in in the real world, there's so many ex- horrible examples. Uh, you think of the Olympics, you think of Trump Tower and stuff like that, where people die in construction accidents uh, and stuff like that all the time and no executives bat an eye. And so my theory, again, if we're, we're retconning this thing, which is what Fallen Kingdom is doing, um, I believe something like one of the main partners of InGen in Jurassic Park backing out um, due to the d- death of his daughter or whatever. I don't actually I don't even know if his daughter I'm sure that that's not even been clarified yet either, like when his daughter died. Um, uh, but I could see that alarming investors more than unfortunately than just one worker dying uh so that's in a way so so in that way it affects my viewing of jurassic park because you almost get the sense that there's a sort of desperation of like him and being like like he just he was the park is so close to being open and he hits this big snag and it's like and so in some ways it makes this weekend more important than it maybe was originally rather than just, okay, it's one more routine checkup before the park opens. It's like all of the fate was on this weekend for it to be what happened. And that, you know, instead of him's desperation being fulfilled, he rushed people out there and his grandkids and people died and Nedry, you know, shut the park down and everything. So it kind of, I'm not saying it makes it more like fate or anything, but I think to me, there's almost more weight on this weekend, um, at least from Hammond's perspective, to be successful. And so the fact that it wasn't, again, just kind of spirals out of control and, you know, life finds a way and all that stuff like that. So I, and so my theory, my I'm not going to call it headcanon yet because I, I'm who knows if we're going to get a clarification on any of this or if it's just or if it was just used to set up the events of Fallen Kingdom and they're not really going to follow up on any of it. But. So that's what I mean, essentially, when I mean by, like, how does it affect your viewing? That's one specific example for me. Um, you know, whereas, like, the Brachiosaurus thing, where, like, on social media, Bayona and Trevorrow are saying that the Brachiosaurus that dies in Fallen Kingdom is the same one that uh, Dr. Sattler and Grant and uh, Malcolm saw in Jurassic Park. Like, you know, that, that was kind of said on social media after the fact, and, uh, you know... I, I mean, it's, I think it's obviously if you want to think that and if that makes that seem more emotional for you, that's great. For me, it didn't really add anything. And that was the thing. Like I talked to Tess Sharp, um, you know, about the evolution of Claire. And for me, it almost makes more sense that it would be Pearl because it's younger. And I don't know. It just to me, that made more sense reading because that was before that was announced. And to me, that made more sense. But again, it's it's because it's not anywhere in the text of the film itself. You can kind of believe whatever you want. Um, but it's those little back and forths and stuff like that. And, and in weird ways, the um, the Jurassic Park, like the DPG website, that's that website actually really makes me rethink the events of Jurassic Park three, but talking about how Wu created the Spinosaur and, and everything like that. And kind of thinking about Jurassic Park three as like this, you know, you'd almost imagine Wu's off in the shadows somewhere, like watching, like want to play a game, like as he's letting people loose on the Island. 
uh, or, you know, as, as people get trapped on the Island and he's watching them become subjects to his creatures, you know? Um, so, so those are those kind of ways that it affects the film. Um, so hopefully that gets your, your, uh, uh, your gears moving Tom and, and let me know when you watch, rewatch the original films and how that can affect you. Um, but speaking of Clayton, Clayton Fiorini, who's been on the show before and has, uh, again, an amazing YouTube channel, very thorough research and everything like that. I love his videos so, so much. I support him on Patreon. Like it, I just, he just, he's just so impeccable and thorough. He's like the, uh, he's like the, uh, uh, David Attenborough of, you know, of Jurassic lore, you know, he's just so thorough. Um, and I, I really appreciate his videos and it was super fun to meet him this summer when we were both out in London for Fallen Kingdom with Tom. And we all went to the Natural History Museum in London. So you can listen to that uh, past episode where we talked about that and those adventures. Uh, but yeah, Clayton sent in his own voicemail. Um, so I'm going to play it right now. Hey, Stephen Ray Morris, it's me, Clayton Fioriti. And uh, I just saw your little message that talked about how Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom has affected our viewing of the original Jurassic Park. And that's actually something I wanted to talk about because I recently rewatched the first movie after having seen Fallen Kingdom like seven, eight, nine times. I don't know. I've lost track. But it it really, it's made me think a lot about Hammond because, you know, in that first movie, we don't really get any sort of exposition behind the history of Isla Nublar or Jurassic Park. We're just given this quick little tour on, okay, this is how the dinosaurs are hatched out of eggs. This is, you know, where the rights are, and this is what's planned. But with the whole Benjamin Lockwood falling out and, uh, you know, everything that goes on with the fifth movie, it kind of makes the first Jurassic Park movie feel more like the novel as far as the expansion that Crichton would go to as far as setbacks that Hammond had. There's all this detail through, you know, cloning the first elephant to the investors in Japan, all the way to Donald Gennaro being told to go to the island and just shut Hammond down. It's it's a really interesting buildup that I don't think we've seen since The Lost World, where they gave that lengthy scene where Hammond is talking to Malcolm about, oh, yeah, I've got Site B. You didn't know that Site B was like off the coast in Los Cinco Mortes. We bred all the animals there, and then we brought them over to Nublar. So it felt really really interesting world building to me because now every time I go back and watch Jurassic Park I'm just thinking like oh so Hammond's already had his fallout with Lockwood now and he's already kind of disgusted about the human clone uh, ethical dilemma and now Malcolm's dogging him about all these dinosaurs and he's thinking you know, probably in his mind like hey this ain't nothing but uh, yeah it's it's really interesting actually to go back and watch the original movie I'll be really excited to see what the sixth one adds but yeah that's Pretty much it. I'm I'm really happy with that sort of world building. Uh, honestly, my mind's blown as a novel fan. But yeah, uh, appreciate you listening to this call. Take it easy. Thank you, Clayton, for your for your super uh, amazing voicemail. I think yeah, you summed up, um, you know, really concisely, kind of where my brain went in Fallen Kingdom, where in some ways Fallen Kingdom has more lore and myth building for the original Jurassic Park than the original Jurassic Park did. Um, and I think in ways that don't detract from Jurassic Park, um, because I think, I think it opens up a whole new can of worms, a whole new can of dinosaurs, uh, snakes, um, for the Jurassic universe. I think, I think in some ways, 
I think there's sort of an expectation of a lot of this stuff from Fallen Kingdom and backstory stuff to pay off in the next Jurassic World movie. But I think the things I think there's there's going to be a lot of stuff set up that we're not even realizing um, instead of that's going to lead to new uh, threads and narrative, um, to, you know, to do to new narrative threads rather than than necessarily answering specific questions like. You know, I think a lot of people are thinking about Macy, original Macy, and thinking about what that means, uh, you know, what the original Macy means for the franchise. And again, I, I talked about in a Raptor Reactions episode, I went really in depth about what I think, you know, like what I think w- what I would want for that. But um, I just think it's going to be I don't think we're going to necessarily, you know, because, again, I think a lot of people are expecting certain answers after Jurassic World. And the movie was like, no, we want to explore this route. And so. I'm excited to see what Jurassic World 3 is going to explore that maybe we're not even thinking about or we're going to look back at Fallen Kingdom and be like, oh, my God, we were it was right there and we didn't even notice, you know, um, that was what was really fun about going back and rewatching Jurassic World after seeing Fallen Kingdom to see what those kind of threads were picked up and which ones were dropped. So um, thank you again, Clayton. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what kind of videos and stuff you make, um, uh, you know, continue to make. Um, thinking about these concepts and as we get, you know, as we move across and move towards uh, Jurassic World 3. So thank you again, Clayton, for your email. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's move to a few. Uh, let's move to a few uh, vo- uh, voicemails. We just did them. Uh, let's move to a few emails. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is from Marissa, who was the fucking amazing. She does amazing makeup. She did this amazing um, Nedry, like kind of like gore makeup uh, thing for Halloween. Um, she took all the amazing photos at the Sea Jurassic Right trivia night this year. Um, yeah, uh, Marissa's awesome. See, so everyone should go follow her. Um, I'll put her uh, Instagram in the show notes. Um, so she says, Hi, Stephen. I've now seen uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom three times and have no immediate plans to see it again in the theaters. Oh, there's the ghost train back. Uh, insert a uh, sobbing emoji. Um, I know, I can't believe I saw, I mean, again, I'm still flabbergasted by how many times I ended up seeing Fallen Kingdom in theaters. Um, it's definitely the most movie I've ever seen in theaters, I think, actually, now that I think about it. Um, she says, for the most part, I really love the movie. It really hit me an emotional, it really hit, hit my emotional connection to dinosaurs in the original Jurassic Park. I know pretty much every person I've talked to or discussed Fallen Kingdom with has mentioned how rough the doc scene was to watch. I ugly cried through pretty much every. Uh, pretty much the whole eruption sequence with all the dino deaths. That was something so beautiful about mir- There was something so beautiful about mirroring the original Brachiosaurus scene in Jurassic Park. I think it would be just repeating a lot of the th- same thoughts expressed in the Facebook group if I wrote out all my reactions. So I'll leave it fairly brief. One thing I can't really ha- wrap my head around for Jurassic World three is a Jurassic movie that has no island content, which med- led me to the idea that uh, if. Uh, if Isla Sorna not necessarily having any dinos since the extra material indicated that it was abandoned, but what else could Eli have been doing with Lockwood's fortune? Is Sorna really abandoned? Is there more shady activities going on there? It's probably a non-productive rabbit hole, but it just randomly popped in my head, so I thought I would share. Also, thanks again for throwing the trivia night. It makes me wish we could have more meetups with the podcast crew for JP Fun, Marissa. Me too, Marissa. I, I hope to do, you know, whether it's another trivia night or maybe a natural history museum get together or something like that, whether up here in LA or down at the Nat in San Diego, um, which I love, and but I haven't been to for ages. Um, it, it's interesting because obviously there's a lot of people who are kind of annoyed that Isla Sorna has been relegated to sort of, um, sort of, 
uh, non movie material. I mean, just we talked about earlier the Lego the the new Lego movie uh, the that Jurassic World prequel talks about Sorna and mentions Sorna and the whole thing revolves around taking dinosaurs from Sorna to Nublar and Evolution of Claire featuring Sorna very heavily. Um, not literally, but just narratively, it's it's also a similar kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, it would be very interesting. I, I think they're going to continue to explore Sorna and side material, but I have a feeling that we're not going to see Sorna again in the films. I think thematically it made sense to kind of bury that island and, and sort of have Fallen Kingdom mirror and resemble and kind of open and close a book, um, you know, in relation to the first movie. But I feel like, so I don't think, yeah, I don't think we're going to get a whole movie on an island or even part of a movie anymore. But I think it would be really interesting to see, even if briefly, you know, what happened to that island sanctuary that they talked about at the beginning of Fallen Kingdom? What if they, what if we saw more root? What if we saw the volcano? What if we just briefly touch on uh, the dinosaurs that maybe survived on Nublar? you know, after the volcano erupted, you know, did any dinosaurs survive or even just even if we didn't see dinosaurs there to just sort of pass by lonely Nublar, uh, you know, destroyed. But I but now that I say that, I just I think that they set up it, it dying off for good in Fallen Kingdom. So I, I I'm already s- scratching that off the list of I don't think they would revisit it at all. So. um, But uh yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's curious because it's that thing of like uh, Jurassic World had, you know, Wu and Hoskins and Hoskins. You know, I always my headcanon is that Hoskins was talking to Eli was talking to Mills on the phone at some point in Jurassic World being like, we have an opportunity, you know, all that stuff like that. Um so it'd be interesting to see, obviously Wu is going to come back for Jurassic world three, but who are going to be the other bads, you know, in, in uh, Jurassic world three and what's going to be their connection to the previous baddies. So I'm very curious um, about what that means. So again, thanks um, for your uh, email, Marissa and uh, yeah, everyone should go follow her on Instagram. Do that. Um, so the next email is from Aganashka who's written in before she says, uh, hi, Stephen and fellow JP enthusiasts. I'm writing to answer the question, has Fallen Kingdom affected the way you rewatch previous films? And so how I, um, she says, I do this every time a new JP movie com- comes out where I rewatch the entire franchise from the beginning and I try to space it out in the span of two or three weeks if I can so I can have time to think about all the plot lines and questions I have before seeing the movie. That's very thorough. Um, after watching Fallen Kingdom four times in theaters, I've rewatched the original JP as well as Lost World. Having seen Fallen Kingdom, it made me watch JP with a little more sadness and knowing what the future holds for our beloved dino friends. Oh. Besides the evil plot of Dennis Nedry and spying for Biosyn, there wasn't too much negative foreshadowing in the first film in regards to trying to human trying humans trying to traffic or sell dinosaurs. Besides, this whole park should not even be open and humans should never mess with the evolution thing. Secondly, seeing Jurassic World again, I have more hope for Claire and less of the annoyance about her character when we originally meet her, knowing that she becomes an activist in Fallen Kingdom and knowing she started out as one as I've read Evolution of Claire by Tess Sharp. I wish I almost wish if I hadn't seen Fallen Kingdom, I almost wish as if I hadn't seen Fallen Kingdom as brilliant of a film as it was in its social commentary. It has tainted my viewing of the earlier films in the way that it makes me sad for the inevitable fate of the dinosaurs. 
Um, to not end on a sad note, I will leave you with a dino pun for Halloween and any day of the week. What do you call the ghost of a dinosaur? A scaradactyl. Ah, ah, ah. Oh, I sound like the count there. Uh, Hearts Aganashka. Um, thank you, Aganashka. They, yeah, that is very interesting. Just sort of because even with that, a sort of explicit sort of thing that they did on social media with the Brachiosaurus. Yeah, I think knowing that it all is going to come to an end someday is is very sad. And I think Fallen Kingdom, I think Clayton said this in a video where in a way Fallen Kingdom kind of closes the original loop that the book Jurassic Park did because in the original Jurassic Park book, uh, spoilers, the island gets basically bombed. And so it's sort of very similar imagery, the firebombing and, you know, the volcano. I forget the what the words are for this, like, you know, when a volcano spits out fiery rocks, um, more uh, Mount Doom style. But so, yeah, Clayton was talking about how, like, yeah, Fallen Kingdom kind of closes that loop. And so, yeah, there is kind of more of a overall sadness. So, um, yeah, no, thank you so much, Aganashka, for your uh, email. Um, and let's see, we basically have, um, let's see. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As I type, uh, here we go. So, yeah, this is going to be our last email, and then I'll close out with uh, a phone call. Um, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Um, sorry again that this is so late, but hopefully as it's really long that it'll tide you over to the next one and to the next cinematic attractions and stuff like that. Um, again, the end of this year has been pretty crazy, but, um, you know, I'm trying to make it all work. So thank you everyone for your patience. I really appreciate it. it but not you ghost train. Come on. It's a Friday night. All right. Uh, so this emails from Alicia and she says, uh, she says, hi, Stephen. Hopefully I can write this email without rambling on. You're not going to ramble on. I'm the one who's rambling. She says, I'm obsessed with the entire franchise and could honestly prattle on Chris prattle on for, uh, for hours about how great the newest movie is. All the original Jurassic Park movies have always been a great source of comfort for me. They were the first, they were the first movies that intrigued and terrified me as a kid. I wasn't scared that there were monsters under my bed. I was scared that there were velociraptors. I was over the moon when I saw the first teaser for Jurassic World and can barely handle waiting for Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom was everything I could have wanted. It, it just keeps the nostalgia train going. But not a ghost train. A ghost nostalgia train. Anyway, when I rewatch the original movies, there's a new feeling of excitement because I know where the story is going. 
Fallen Kingdom did such a good job of building from and adding to the originals when watching them all consecutively. It's just like watching one really long movie, and I can't wait for the next one. Thank you so much for creating such an awesome podcast. I had had no idea that there were so many fans that had the same level of enthusiasm as I do for the franchise. I have found my people. Alicia. Um, Thank you so much, Alicia. I really appreciate that. I, I... I like that we got these two sides of this sort of this the fate, but then also the sort of excitement of knowing, you know, of just knowing that it's a huge thing. And, you know, as much as as much as we talk sometimes about, you know, how Jurassic Park is kind of a perfect film and how it in some ways, if there was never another Jurassic Park, that that would be fine and, and stuff. I do love that that there is a Jurassic universe. I do love that. And I want more of that. And because that's the kind of world I would want to play in, you know, which is why I think I loved Evolution of Claire so much too, because I think it, it was the first kind of Jurassic piece of Jurassic content that really was excited to live in that world and to be part of it. Um, and again, go listen to my Tess Sharp interview, uh, if you haven't yet, cause she's very lovely and such a great writer. Um, yeah. So again, thank you everyone for listening. Um, again, this has been a long one, uh, you know, mini sewed in, in, you know, spirit, you know, kind of thing. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but again, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, if you want to support me on Patreon, that would mean a lot. Patreon.com slash Jurassic, right? Um, uh, what else? Uh, again, the Chicago meetup at the field museum is on Saturday, November 24th at 1 PM. Um, I think we're going to try and do the Antarctic, um, maybe the Antarctic uh, exhibit last or something, just so, um, you know, again, if people don't want to um, go pay extra for that, you guys can you guys can just take off or grab a beer sooner uh, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'll include a link to the Facebook event so you guys can go uh, see all the details there. Um, hopefully I'll have that gift exchange up info up soon. Go to the Facebook group. Um, probably we're up be posting that first um see Jurassic right podcast on on facebook um again check out the cinematic attractions episode let me know what you think let me know what other dinosaur or creature feature movies you'd want me to watch um check out pod x there's gonna be a lot of great people there um pod slash jurassic if you want to get uh you know if you use my uh link or whatever i it helps just show where people are coming from um and yeah let me know if you're playing Jurassic World Evolution let me know if you're collecting the toys the Mattel toys and stuff let me know what you think um I RT'd a bunch of Halloween costumes on Twitter and Instagram so I just loved everyone's Jurassic Halloween costumes this year I mean it was so amazing it was so cool to see everyone dressed up and yeah it makes me want to do more Jurassic costumes during Halloween because mostly it's again it's like JP25 or conventions and stuff like that so it was really fun to dress up as Jimmy Buffett this year um, I hope he saw it because I tagged him in it. Um, and again, thank you to everyone who emailed and left voicemails. Tom, Clayton, um, Mar- Marissa, Aganashka, Alicia. And uh, again, this month's question. So I'm, the next mini-sode I want to come out um, before uh, Christmas, which is, uh, do you want any Jurassic or dinosaur-related gifts for Christmas? Um, but also, you know, tell me what you, you know, tell me about your Jurassic Christmas experiences as well. Um, just anything, obviously Christmas or Hanukkah or any holiday related Jurassic gift things I would love to hear about. Um, and I definitely go back and listen to the Christmas episode, which was Chris Pugh and Chris Bermonte and, you know, a bunch of other people telling their Christmas stories, um, and the kind of gifts and cool things that they've got for Christmas. Hopefully I'm going to be doing something like that again this year. Again, not 
you know, not in the seasons, you know, in the in the the you know main episodes like I did for the season one, but just you know, I still want to share more Christmas and toy and fun stories and stuff because I think it'll be it'll be really nice. I'm hoping. I already know. I I think uh, Victoria uh, from Victoria's Cantina. I think she's already said she's already posted that there's been uh, dinosaur and Jurassic related Christmas ornaments already up. You know, and it's already and it's only November 9th. So it's it's happening. Um, Christmas is is coming and we're, we we got to either uh, we got to either join them or uh, no, I'm, I don't know. But um, so, yeah. So, again, call and leave an email um, again that. Uh, yeah. Let me know what you think. Let me know um, again if you want any Jurassic or or, you know, dinosaur related stuff for Christmas. Um let me read out the number one more time just so you have it. But again, it's always in the notes and everything like that. Um, but yeah, the number is... Nope, that's not where the number is. Uh, nope, that's not where the call is. I'm just like looking through my notes. Uh, calls next week. Weekly business. Boom, here we go. Uh, <laughs> 323-688-6969 or email cjurassicright at gmail.com. And again, I'd love to hear your thoughts and play them on a future episode, mini-sode, all that good stuff. Um, Yeah, I hope everyone has a great November, and I will talk to you very soon. So, you know the drill. Hold on to those butts. Oh, and here's the final uh, voicemail. I'm not sure. I was going to say, speaking of how to pronounce people's names, I think it's Harvey, but maybe I'm wrong. But thank you so much for your voicemail. Uh, It was very sweet. So, again, I'll see everyone very soon. Hi, uh, my name is Dick Harvey. Um, yeah, I think viewing Jurassic, uh, World Fallen Kingdom, I thought the second half was actually really funny and really good. And I'm, uh, watching Jurassic Park when I was like 10, I think. Now looking back on it, just everything seems to be a bit more cool. I don't know why. Uh, big fan of the podcast. Keep it up. Thanks. Now you can also interact with me and the show by following me on Twitter at Stephen Ray Morris and following SJRPod on Twitter, See Jurassic Ride on Instagram, See Jurassic Ride on Facebook, or you can send me an email at seejurassicride at gmail.com. Not only am I looking forward to talking to people about their Jurassic Park experiences and hearing yours, but I also am going to be sharing ephemera from my childhood and, oh God, I'm going to share the fan fiction uh, on there as well and pictures and toys and everything. It's going to be great. And I wanted to thank Caitlin Thompson and Tim Ruggery at ACAST, Molly McLear, Heather Mason, Stephanie Cook, Sarah Iyer, and you. See Jurassic Right is an ACAST podcast. Check out the show on their mobile app. And thank you for listening. Until next time.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.